Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. She just goes a little mad sometimes. Wolfman's got an heart. They're coming to get you, Barbara. Whatever you do, don't fall asleep. We have such sights to show you. They're all gonna laugh at you. Hey, everybody. What is up? Hello. Moshi Moshi. <laughs> <laughs> Um, needless to say, tonight we're talking about some te- Takashi Miike movies. Some J-horror from yeah, the very prolific Takashi Miike. Oh my god. The so, man who never stops working. Yeah, the man who Eli Roth couldn't even dream in a thousand years of being anything like. Even though he wants to be. <laughs> yeah, no, he will never be. He put he put Quentin Tarantino in a movie. <laughs> yeah. There's a Takashi Miike movie with Quentin Tarantino. It's called Sukiyaki Western Django. And it's weird. And you can tell, I feel like you can tell how much Quentin Tarantino sweats his balls. Oh, I'm sure. But that, no, but he is, he sweats Quentin Tarantino's balls. Really? Oh, yeah. Oh, oh yeah. Oh, I've seen, I, I remember back in the day <laughs> when I first watched each of the Killer, we were watching all the special, like, features on the thing, and he's talking about how much he likes Reservoir Dogs and stuff, like, wow. so I think he sweats Quentin Tarantino just That's as much fair. as... So tonight we're going to talk about, uh, Takeshi... Take- Takashi Miike. We're going to be talking about 1999's Audition, as well as 2003's One Missed Call. The original. The original. The, the OG. Right. The OG. Yeah. That's right. Um, so do you guys want to go in chronological order? We'll yeah. start with Audition. Yeah, and I think, I think me, um, I think you get to do the honors of the, of the whole synopsis. The whole synopsis? Well, you, yeah, these were your picks, and I think they're both awesome picks. Well, both, well, not, One Missed Call I might have seen before, but I don't really remember it, but Audition is something that... Was one of the it was one of the movies that got me into like weird out there like I don't know like David Lynch and all that sort of like it kind of opened the gateway. That's like when I was starting to like you know get out of my comfort zone, stop watching Goonies every night, and then try and watch something <laughs> a little different. So these movies are kind of like Takashi Miike in particular is a very like important director to me. Yeah, and one of the things I didn't realize was just how many films he's made in a pretty short chunk of time. Um, we're talking 104 movies since 1991. Yeah, he's bonkers. Yeah, like, when does he sleep? <laughs> like, it's crazy. But one thing looking, I... Looking at him, it looks like he's, like, on, like high on crystal meth or something all the time. So, <laughs> like, he's, 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 he looks like he's, like, drinking, like, 20 cups of coffee, like, an hour. 
You know, it's funny too, because there's, I was reading about like some interviews with him and stuff. And apparently in Japanese film and distribution, they have really strict and very small timeframes for filming and producing and getting movies out. Mm -hmm. So I think that has, he says that that has something to do with it. That basically like in Japan, they make such strict limits for him. But I think he also takes on, like you were telling me, like he takes on anything he can get his little paws on, mm -hmm. which is to me, what an amazing feat as a director to be able to like, I mean, cause I definitely think he's known for being very violent and very like existential and very like uh, obtruse with his films. But you know, like really he's done literally everything. He does time. everything. Like you can't like, you can't say you hate Takashi Miike cause he's done everything. As long as you're not like upset by having to read subtitles, I guarantee you, you will find a Takashi Miike movie you enjoy. Mm-hmm. And I find his auteur style so directing. Um, so, excuse me. So interesting because I feel like he has some very specific things that are so his trademark, like the point of view shots. Mm -hmm. And, like, the, the way the blood, he always, like, makes his gore and violence so intense, but then juxtaposes it with such calm drama. But I feel like, on the other hand, everything feels so different. And I love that. I kind of love him. Like, yeah, I'm kind of obsessed. Like... Yeah, you don't you don't get bored watching his. Jackie, are you here? What are you What are you doing tonight? I'm not interrupting your thoughts. Yeah. Oh, oh, thank you. Also, this movie was boring. <laughs> ah, Jackie. No, no I love this movie. Here's my truth. Audition. I, we're talking. Yes, audition. Um, so Nate showed me this movie like I don't know. 15, 16 years ago, and I remember being super freaked out by it. And, like, to the point where I have stated this on other podcasts that, like, this movie wigged me out. Like, mm -hmm. I don't like it. Like, it just gives me the wig. So, going into it, I was like, you know, I'm putting on my brave pants, and I'm gonna, I'm gonna watch it, and here we go. And I watched it, and I'm like, why was I wigged out? Because it was, like, it was, yeah, like, it was some, like, intense... There was some intense, uh, not gore, but, like, very intense violence. Mm -hmm. But it was, like, okay, like, it was cool. Like, I was down to clown with it. But, yeah, this, I don't know what happened in the shift of, like, 16 I have years. An, I have an idea. I think that you've watched a lot more movies since that point. That's Especially, true. like, you know, things that might be out of your comfort zone. So this is kind of like, oh, this is kind of yeah. familiar. This isn't really that bad. I kind of know what's happening, what's going to come up. So... Yeah, so I think that would have something to do with it. We broke you, is what I meant. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's kind of the that's kind of the the sensation I got from this too, because I was really disturbed by this movie the first time I saw it. But watching it now, I kind of am just am more interested in all the characters and how everything fits together. And I kind of think that the killer is a pretty sympathetic person. When before I was just like, oh my god, she just chops off his foot and burn, burn. like that's all I could think about. But now I'm like, man, I feel bad for her. So, let's yeah. talk about, let's do a recap. So, um, I don't have the names written down, but I know the main character is named Ayama, mm -hmm. and Ayama is a Japanese man, and he has a kid, and his wife dies. Um, she gets sick, probably from cancer or something. I don't think, I don't know if it's clear about exactly what kills her. Um, over the years, he's raising his son by his own, and his son's like, Dad, when are you going to remarry? So he decides that he's going to try and move on you know, from his dead wife and try and meet someone new. So he gets his friend, who is a movie producer, audition for a fake part in a movie that he's doing to just, like, find some girls for his friend. And they find someone, all right. They sure do. And, uh, yeah, it doesn't What's turn out great. 
Her name is Asami. Thank you. Yeah, and I think I think what makes so I'm with you guys. The first time I saw this film, I was so like overwhelmed by that last 25 minutes of horror because really that's all it is is you have like an hour and 30 minutes of amazing exposition followed by 30 minutes of some of the most brutal intense like torture scenes you'll Mm -hmm. ever hear and i mean you'll ever see and one of the things that annoys me is when they call this torture porn because i think that's doing a disservice to this film when i think torture porn i think like hostile Yes. Where the entire film is built upon extreme violence. Right. Or Saw. Something where it's yes. like, you're going to see, you're going to watch this movie to watch people get slowly murdered over the course of, of like a half an hour or, or however long it takes, you know? And this movie is like, no, that's kind of like the exclamation point on this movie, but there's there's more going on. Yeah, that's such a good way to put it. I totally agree. I think that the it's like the icing on the cupcake. And for me, what draws me to this film now is, like you said, Nate, like just... Well, first of all, those dream sequences, I want to go back and rewatch them over and over again because I feel like I had I was so disoriented through them and it's mm-hmm. so rare that a film actually gets me that engaged in like the dream versus reality moments. Um, and the other thing I love about this is that at its heart, in my opinion, it is a study of like the dangers of isolation and loneliness yes. and like the lack of connection in humanity. But the other thing that I really think is that at the end of the day, and this calls to what you said before, Nate, with her being sympathetic, this is a hardcore feminist film. Mm-hmm. Like, to me, this is... Like, anybody who calls him misogynistic is out of their goddamn mind. Because he, not only does he write and do well by his female characters in both of these films, but I would argue that this is an insanely feminist film because looking at her life, I'm like, okay, yeah, I guess she's, she's so fucked up. She's a badass, and she was tortured, <laughs> like, her entire life until she decided to, you know, flip it around. She's like, all right, this is... I think, see, that... The feeling I got is that, that that's what she thinks love is. And that's what she thinks you do to people you love. You hurt them. Mm-hmm. Because the only people that were supposed to care for her and love her hurt her. Or left her with people that would hurt her. Yeah, yeah. And I think that she also, like, she has a right to begrudge him. Mm-hmm. I don't think he's an aggressor. Like, I found it interesting in the in the moment of, like, you know, Me Too movement and everything to look at this film like these creepy ass producers who are literally putting on a fake audition just to get him some ass. Mm-hmm. And when you put it in those terms, you're like, oh, what a fucking scumbag. But he's not. He is such a sympathetic character, too. And he's very reluctant to participate in all of this. Yeah. And his friend is like the aggressor. Yeah, his friend is like, come on, dude. It's like, I, I want you to be happy. I want you to stop, you know, thinking about this all the time and, and move on with your life. Your son wants it. We all want you to be happy. So he's like, all right. And he goes along with it. And I think if there's any fuck you in this film to Japanese culture, in my opinion, it's like when he says, well, she has to have talents and she's got to have class and she's got to, you know, because girls who don't have talents are just needy and whiny. And and like, Mm -hmm. I think it really hints at this like expectation for females to be subservient and to be like, you know, like your friggin' like your showpiece in Japanese culture, which is mm-hmm. very much still a struggle both in American culture and Japanese culture, right. where, you know, you want your girls to have skills, but... <laughs> <laughs> Sweet drawing skills, nunchuck skills. <laughs> but at the end of the day, like, that part of him, to me, deserve not deserves, but it makes him kind of a shithead and kind of makes her a feminist for her take on all of it. You know? I mean, yeah, I, I mean, at, at its core, like... Probably every male in Japanese culture is a bit of a shithead, just like every male in American culture is a bit <laughs> of a shithead. Just you need to be aware of it. I don't know. It's it, it's 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 rooted. It's rooted in the culture, and it's hard to just you know rise above that sometimes. But anyways, on the whole, I think that that this movie is not very 
misogynistic at all, at all. Two, two, it's funny that you bring that up because I actually have two notes about that. Because at first I said that the bar scene kind of made me feel gross when he's sitting there going, possibly young, or no, preferably young, possibly works. I want her trained in the arts. And at first I was like, you're sitting here making a laundry list of like traits that you want and you don't want to see anybody that's not that. But then again, um, guess what? It's called Match.com. And we sit there and we go, I want somebody 18 to 24 yep. with a certain body type. And a, you can literally pick a hair color on a person. So really, it's it's it, it, at first when I felt like, ew, icky, gross. And then I'm like, wait, shit, I did the same thing when I signed up on Match.com and made my laundry list of my ideal partner. I had put on there that, you know, this is the age bracket I want, you know, any race, body type, like whatever, like I could have, a, there was a literally a little box that's called the deal breaker box. <laughs> so like if somebody has on their profile that maybe like they're a redhead, if you don't like redheads, you could put, click the deal breaker button next to a redhead and then you will not be shown redheads. Like for me, if they had in their profile that they had children, that was deal breaker. So no dude that had like listed that they were a father mm -hmm. could eat, like they wouldn't come up on my scroll kind of thing. So to me, like it wasn't so icky because honestly in this day and age, we do the exact same thing now. And the only reason it was different back then is because they didn't have that kind of setup that you could do that. So they were using their power and yeah, and the as, as, did as like, movie producers and whatnot. That's very true. Like I'm taking, I'm taking that out of, out of the equation that yes, these women didn't know that they were doing it. I'm kind of just more speaking to when, you know, you're sitting at the bar with your friend, here's the checklist of everything I want in a dude or everything that I want in a woman. It's like, that's what we do on match.com or whatever. The other thing I have, and you had brought up, Marissa, and I think Nate, you had said too, I started to write down like a, you know, a shit ton of criticism about how they're treating women and what they're doing. And I literally had to like stop and I guess <coughs> for all intents and purposes, like check my privilege because I wrote down the cultural differences make it hard to rightfully criticize this movie. Because their their culture and their way of life is is different from ours, so I can't sit here and I, I don't feel like I can rightfully say you know like how how the women are more subservient there. I'm not saying it's right or wrong. Yeah, it's hard. You can only look at it from our point of view, which is not that informed compared to you know someone that grew up surrounded by that stuff and and understood like you know every day what it's like to to be a part of that culture. Yeah. So yeah, no. Well, yeah, I agree with you both, but I also think abuse of power is abuse of power, period. Mm -hmm. Like, the shift between, like, the the way the predator-prey role shifts so dramatically is one of the reasons why I, I argue for this film as a feminist reading, but I think that, like, no matter what culture you're in, it's scummy to hold fake auditions where you put these girls on display because the big difference between that and Match.com is lack of consent and a lack of a two-way street. Oh, yeah. So for me, it's so icky what they do. And even though he's more of just like a, a bystander in the whole thing, it, it kind of like muddies the waters when everything when the when everything gets I'm I'm curious. I'm curious because the part wasn't real, but they definitely, you know, had them call back some of the girls that they saw. So I mean it wasn't completely useless for them to show up. Yeah, no, true. And they did say they were going to try and, try and make the movie. But at the at the end of the day, here's my question to you guys. 
is he a, a, a shithead? Like, does he, not that he deserves what he gets, but is there a hint that he is guilty of using her the way everybody else in her life has? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. I, I also thought it was kind of interesting they, that they uh, subvert your expectations in this movie because there's so many Japanese ghost movies, they kind of use those tropes to, to catch you off guard when you finally realize what's happening because, like, there's there's so much weird, like, dream logic and, like, her, her even her, like, looks, the way she looks. She's really thin. She's got the long black hair. There's even a couple of shots where she's, like, leaning over and her hair is doing the whole Juan grudge thing, you know? So I, I totally think they're trying to fake you out with that. But there's also, if you watch, there's certain scenes in the movie they come back to. If you are paying attention the first time, he does really obvious edits, like bad <laughs> edits, where like someone's face is looking forward and then all of a sudden it'll shift up a little bit and you'll be like, that's weird. And then you realize they come back to it later. He is like so in love with the idea of this girl that he is ignoring all the negative things that she's saying about her life. And that's that's like his first impression. It's like, well, he's just kind of, his eyes kind of glaze over when she's talking about the negative stuff in her oh, life. That's so interesting. And it's not until later that he's thinking about, you know, the dates and what she was saying before and putting it together. Because they could have just given you that information up front, but it's it makes it more interesting. It makes the mystery more interesting as you're watching the movie. That I agree with, yeah. Like I said, for me, it was very slow in the beginning. And then, I mean, there's the payoff at the end. It does pick up, but yeah. Just yeah, you're right. And, and that's so great, Nate. I didn't even notice that, but you were right. I noticed those cuts, but I didn't really mm -hmm. put two and two together with that. And it's almost like his hubris that he ignores the warning signs, not only from his friend. Because, like, I remember at one point two lines that stick out to me in this film that are definitely, like, my argument for why he kind of sucks Number one, he says it's like buying a car when he like it's to finding a <laughs> wife. But also, more importantly, he literally says, well, I can handle it. It's a girl. And there's this hint at this like hubris that he has that like he does. He misses the morning signs. Even his friend is like, bro, something's really weird. And I get the sense that the record store guy, is the record store guy the one that was in the bag? That's how I read that. Uh, the the record the yeah, record, the record producer, producer guy and I read I like I read that he was probably a creeper who promised her face. It was either too. him or it was the bartender <laughs> at that bar. That's a good point. It was one of them because they're saying that they found like extra body parts at the bar. Yeah. So it was one of the two that was there that she killed. And like this notion that like men will absolutely use women and kind of like suck us of our resources. And I love that they put her in white in so many scenes because it's like, you know, the old sheep and wolf's clothing trope, but, or wolf and sheep's clothing rather, yes. switch that around. But you know what I mean. But <laughs> yeah, I also think he, one of the things I love about his films is that he definitely takes the classic themes of like classic storytelling, like the whole, he's more in love with the idea of this girl mm -hmm. than he actually is in love with her. And one scene that I want to kind of dive into, if you guys are okay with, is the scene in the hotel where she's like, I need you to love just me. Yes. Because I find that so haunting and so problematic. And I can't tell if he, if I'm just a jerk because I don't think that's fair or if, I don't know. Like, I'm, I'm curious to hear your readings on that. Um, That would have weirded me out. But Deeply I mean, like, yeah. if I had said, like, I love you to a person and they said, only love me, nobody else, I would have probably been okay with it in the moment. But afterwards, I would have been like, what does that mean? Nobody else. And hopefully she wouldn't chop my foot off and stick needles in my face. Yeah. I, I wrote <laughs> down that she was a stage five cleaner. Because <laughs> that's freak, that, that, is that, some, that is some freaky shit. Like, you can't, you can't say, especially it's like, you know, 
that he's got a child. Mm-hmm. You know, so you're saying... Well, does he ever tell her, though? I don't uh, I guess no, I, I don't Yeah, so. I guess I just I don't think so. I feel like they move really quickly along in their relationship. Yeah. I think he's really excited to just, like, move on and become married and all this, and that that's part of his whole hubris. Mm-hmm. The fact that he overlooks a lot of the other things that are important in his life, but, you know, it ends up working out for him because she doesn't know that he has a kid, and the kid comes home. Well, regardless, that whole only me, please love me, please love me, only me, only me, I'd be like, you know what? Here's you and my pepper spray together forever. You need to back <laughs> off. She's someone with pepper spray. Yeah. <laughs> that was weird. Pepper spray. spray. I was like, what the hell is that? Is that like that a is not in this spray? movie. That's in the next movie. The pepper spray? No, it's in this movie. No, it's in this movie. She pepper sprays the sun. Yeah, she tries to. Oh, that's right. I'm thinking of the. And he's like uh, covering his face oh, and yeah, he kicks right. her down the stairs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, that was the other thing. I thought she died too easy. Well, like, don't they? Aren't they always supposed to come back a little bit? Like, I felt like one good swift kick to the crotch and she was done. Well, she did fall down the stairs and land on her neck. Yeah. No, so, but, uh, she's not like, she's not like that kind of person. Like, she's like a, she's not like someone who's going to overpower yeah, you, right. but she's, she's someone that's going to lull you so into real. a false sense <laughs> of security, and then the second that she doesn't like what you're doing, she's going to murder you while you're sleeping, or, or... I don't know, I just, I, I felt like she went down, she died too easy. I felt like she could have put up, there could have been a little more fight in her. Yeah, I think that's more of like an American concept, though. The, the, sure. the, oh, the killer is dead. Just kidding. Though. Like, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I liked that she was he- very human. Um, especially because when you see what she went through as a child mm-hmm. and the abuses that she suffered, she, she suffered. She suffered. I think that it makes her, yeah, very sympathetic. I mean, she's a serial killer, but. It's almost like you can't blame her mm-hmm. because this is how she knows how to love. And when she finds that picture, one thought I had was like, I was like, oh shit, she doesn't, does she even know the wife is dead? Mm-hmm. Like, is she thinking that he's had a wife this whole She's time? probably thinking all sorts of things. Right, right. And there's, if there's one thing I could sympathize with and probably to a fault, and I'm going to apologize to my husband for this because he's put up with it for 25 years, but I am nothing if not neurotic and greedy when it comes to his love. Like, I'm probably about stage three on your scale, Jackie. Like, I am a clinger. This bitch needs to be constantly validated. Like, I will literally just be like, why don't you love me? And I know it's an annoying thing that I do. And I, as I get older and as I'm more Bobby and less, you know, clingy, you know, insecure woman. And, you know, it's gotten better. But I can really relate to her need to be validated and her need to be like, love me, choose me. Like, mm. it's only me. Especially when I was younger before kids. Like, now it's absurd. I'm like, if I have to rank everybody or, like, if I have to love only one person, y'all are losing out. Everybody else, these kids are going to win. But at the end of the day, back in the day, I do kind of, like, relate to that neediness. Mm. And I also think it's tethered so strongly to the abuse she suffered and so much of, like, the fact that she does just need, like, if he, if he hadn't screwed her over, like, if he was a good guy or if that picture wasn't there, could she have been saved? Like, it almost felt sorrowful to me. No, I think she was done. I think she was done. When she was lying on the ground with her neck snapped, she was just repeating phrases from earlier in the movie because, like, she's just, she's a robot. She, she had programmed in those phrases earlier because that's what you're supposed to say to people you love. Mm-hmm. And she's just saying it over and over again because she doesn't know any better. I don't know. I don't want to justify her actions from her past because I think that's kind of a that's a gray area to go I down agree with because you. Yeah. you know I don't I don't and you know what no, I'm I don't, like I, I don't want to and I don't want to like I don't know I feel 
Uh, I don't want to say that. That kind of comes out shitty. Well, 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 when you start murdering people, nothing is justifiable. But you can still understand where they're coming from. I don't want to give her, like, a little bit of a pass because she was an abused woman. I, I think I do. Yeah, yeah, I do. I don't. Like, I I don't give a fuck about your gender. Like, you know, like, you don't, like, to me, it, like, murder does not beget murder. Well, it, has nothing, it has nothing to do with gender. No, I, but just... I feel like that's the point that you're making, though, that, like... No, know, no, no. It's woman. just, it's just the abuse. Yeah, it's I just, think... it's just the fact that she's a, w- a victim of abuse. And and I, I, I don't know that I necessarily. I agree with you. I don't think it, it justifies anything. As someone who has survived various types of abuse in my own life, I kind of tend to be tough on, you know, survivors and victim, victimized people too. In that, I expect them to like be okay. But I also do know how much it permeates your ideas of love, your neediness, your your desires, like. I mean, I very much attribute my clinginess to maybe some of the things that happened to me in my past. And so I think that while I don't give her a pass and I don't think it has anything to do with her gender, I do think that I could understand how someone's why. I mean, when you look at serial killers in history, one thing so many of them share is truly, truly horrific abuses as children. Right. And to, to, I just feel like there's no understating the effects of abuse on children. And while I, you're right, and I think he purposefully puts us in that zone of being uncomfortable. And I think that's what makes his film so so brilliant is that like he pushes this all on you and goes, okay, now you decide who's right, who's wrong, and who lives and who mm-hmm. dies and who tells the story. You know what I mean? Like, and I think that that's part of what I love in these films is this motif of like, well, people suffer and endure horrible things, and what do you do with that? How does that change everything? Right, because they both were victims. They both were Correct. victims. Because he was I. Right, like he, a very... lot of bad stuff happened to him too. Mm-hmm. It's just he he dealt with it a different way than she did. Right, and they were, and he was, and I ag- agreed. Like he was very much a sympathetic character at the beginning when the little boy with the with this little thing for his mom. Mm-hmm. Like, there's so much pathos that they give to all of these characters, which a is super rare in a horror film to begin with, and b it makes the film so much more meaningful. So while yes. I agree with you that. Maybe it is slow at points. I kind of enjoyed the development of the characters. It felt very... It didn't feel like a horror movie until she busted out her needles and right. Wire. It's I, I, I wouldn't even call this a horror movie so much as a psychological drama. I like that. Um, with, with heavy horror influences, especially in the last third of the movie. Um, yeah, so let's... I mean, let's dive into that violence because I think one of the things that makes him a controversial and polarized director... Is his use of extreme violence? Mm. I I tell you what, dude, the barfing and the friggin' dog dish, man, that gets me every time. I'm like, <laughs> and the, like, I kind of laugh because for the first time I noticed that the actor who's lapping it up actually used his tongue for a second before he realized he wasn't supposed to have one. He was like, oh, I'm, 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 I mean, like this. I'm, 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 I'm. <laughs> it freaked me out that he willingly ate it and made me, oh, made me want to barf myself. No, he didn't want to die. He didn't want to starve to death. He was hungry. And it's just, oh, God. And even the scenes of abuse towards her as a child just made me so... Like, and I love that he pushes you to the edge of what you think you can handle. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't know, maybe you guys didn't have this reaction, but every time I watch the scene with the where she's, like, on top of him with the needles and everything, the mm-hmm. deeper, deeper part, and the way she, like, like flosses with the piano wire and everything, yeah. like... I get to the point where, like, I can't handle this. I can't handle this. And then just at the moment where, like, I can't handle this anymore, it ends. Or even, like, one scene that stood out to me in particular was when, I think it was the uncle or the aunt or somebody. That was her stepfather. Her stepfather. He's, like, crawling towards her. 
and she's on the ground, and mm-hmm. like he's heading towards her lady bits. Yep. And I was like, I can't, I can't, I can't, I can't. And then it just ends. And I feel like he pushes you to the edge, and then makes you dangle there. Yeah. And I think that's what I love about his horror, because when I sit down to watch one of his films, I know I'm in for it. And that's rare in our world. You know, like most horror films I'm going to watch and not even blink an eye. I know if I'm sitting down to one of his films, I'm going to be challenged to my own... Like, in the way that, like, Martyrs and films like that have challenged me, like, the French New Wave mm-hmm. stuff, where I'm like, am I going to get to the point where I can't handle it? Yeah. You know? And he, martyrs, martyrs, he doesn't though. go over the edge of yeah, the Martyrs goes way over oh, that God. edge. And then you're just, like, numb for well, the rest. At, at first, you're like, this is crazy. But then it's like, oh, my God, just look, just end her. Like, know, kill her, please. Just please kill her. Story. Yeah. But um, agreed, like, he takes you to that edge, but never goes over, which exactly. is, I think, the difference there. But it's also, it makes for really effective horror. I, I loved it. I love this movie. Me I'm too. going to buy the Blu-ray now. I don't have it, so... Oh, I have it on DVD. I, it. I have it on DVD from long, long ago, but I'm going to buy the Blu-ray. I had this awesome special edition, and it was all part of the... I sold off my entire collection, which was probably worth thousands and thousands for, like, a dollar. <laughs> <laughs> when I had my crisis of a woman cannot be a horror fan and a mother at the same time. Can I just say, I'm super happy the dog didn't get killed. The dog did get killed, bro! Yeah, she kills him. Did you not notice? It's like right, in the background. It's right when he wakes up. He was in the right, background? No! Yeah. It's right when he wakes up and, like, and he's, he's kind of seeing her and, like, she, she her, the door's kind of open and he's starting to wake up oh, and so he sad. can see her and it pans <laughs> down and the dog's like, but it's like, like it, it, I must all, have, it all but has, like, the X's over its eyes. Oh, no. I must yeah, looked, I was unhappy. I guess that. I looked down to write something. <laughs> Uh-huh. Gengu is a good boy. Gengu was a good boy, and Jackie's description was so perfect. It literally is like comedically dead. Oh it's no! Like, its neck is like 360 degrees the wrong way. Well, fuck this movie! Then. I take it all back. <laughs> Done. And like it's ended. His tongue is hanging out. It it's the saddest it thing. Me too. I was like, God, she's a cruel bitch. Like everything else, she does I'm fine with, but I'm like. But yeah, no, when you get that Blu-ray, I want to watch all the special features because this film blows my mind. He blows my mind. And also watching all these little interviews with him, how adorable is he? I just want to pinch his cheeks. Oh. Yeah. Okay, come hang out with me. (laughs) He's so cute. Also, like she is such a scary villain. Like top 20 in my head, like scariest bitches I've seen on screen for show. She's crazy. She crazy, yo. She crazy. Now, does kitty 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 mean deeper, or is she saying kitty kitty kitty? Um, it probably means like twenty different things. Oh man! But depending on how you inflect, means deeper. But man, the way she gir- like over kitty, and again, kitty, kitty. And, yeah. and I kitty, think it's kitty. it's a play on Japanese culture. The way she like is so he. She's so it. yeah. It's so it's so oh, girly, so cute. kawaii, kawaii oh. desk. And when she's like, I'm like, oh. Now, does he live? Yeah. Because he's telling the story, so. right? Okay. I would assume gotcha. so. All right. I mean, he only got one foot cut off, and she put on the, the, the tourniquet things on his ankles so he wouldn't bleed out. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. No, the other one, she never got all the way? No, she started she to chop his it. other foot off, and, then, and then the son sweet. showed up like, Hey, Dad, I'm home <laughs> early. My friend got sick. <laughs> like, oh, shit. <laughs> <laughs> I thought you were going to be like, yeah, no, he's definitely going to need a Band-Aid. <laughs> <laughs> um, I also liked the son. I thought it was an interesting role. I liked the scene where the girl came over mm-hmm. and was like, oh my gosh, I'm so sorry. I made, I ate your dinner. I'll cook for you. Because I think it showed the dynamic and the culture that we were to understand a little better. Because mm. he was like, yeah, good job, son. You know, like it was, it was almost yeah, sweet but- and... A little creepy because he was thinking about having sex with that girl. Yes, he did. He was like, that girl's sexy. 
Because she was definitely S and the D in that dream yeah, sequence. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I got all icky about that, but then I also think that, like... What well, was her? It was... Apparently he banged her. that girl at his Did office. Did he really bang her, or was that part of the I dream? absolutely think he... Oh, the way she was like... I'm she was like, it was a one-night stand. Yeah. Why didn't you ever call me again? And she's when she's telling him that she's, that he, that she's getting married... I think she wants to get a reaction from him. Yeah, I think And he's like, true. okay, cool, I'll, I'll see you after the weekend. And she's like, oh. Yeah, yeah no, I didn't... I, it's, no, all, it's all about, like, you want the younger girls, like, because she had, like, bags under her eyes. She definitely, I don't know. It was definitely, it was definitely a criticism, criticism of that culture. For yeah. sure. Yeah. No, th- and another reason why it's like, I don't feel, like, that bad for him. Like, Well, he's damaged, too, because his wife died from, like, a horrible disease. And he definitely loved the shit out of his wife because what's the first thing he does when he's doing this audition stuff? He's like, what did my wife do? Oh, ballet and this and that and this. Yeah. Oh, look, there's someone just like that. And that's that's the whole like driving reason for him to go after this girl. And he's, I like when he turns the picture of her around when he calls. <laughs> he's like, ah, I feel bad. So I think you bring up a good point there with these dream sequences because it almost like he builds the real villain of the film to be the male id. Like, this idea that, like, yes, he's lonely. Yes, he's disconnected. And that could maybe contribute to why he so sexualizes all these little girls. Not little girls, that's not fair. But all these women and girls in his life. But, yeah, like, it's like, I am so horrified by his sexuality and, like, the way he deep down repressed secretly wants all of these women and and has used these women in large ways. And so, yeah, it kind of takes away some of his sympatheticness to me. Good movie, though. Holy crap. Yeah, I like this movie a bunch. Yeah. A whole Meh. bunch Can't of bananas. Meh. Meh. I like it a whole bunch That's of fine. I, I, I like a slow-paced movie as long as, like, the, the, the cinematography is rich and there's lots of, like, story and characters to, like, that I can, like, actually, like, glomp onto and try and figure out, wrap my head around. And you don't get that a lot in a lot of movies. A lot of, a lot of characters are one-dimensional and really boring, and so I'm okay with him being flawed and yeah, messed up. me too. Because it makes, it makes the experience that much more interesting and that much more engaging to figure out. And mm-hmm. you, you're just not, like, this is the good guy. This is the bad guy. This is who I'm rooting for. Let's see the ending now where the good guy wins. <laughs> it's like, no, you don't know what's going to happen. You don't have any expectations. So yeah. yeah, it's great. No, I it's agree great. with that. I like that. I think that's I think that's on point. Yeah. So audition, good movie. Yeah, real good movie. Want to um, mosey on over to 2003's One Missed Call? Okay. So One Missed Call is a cliche ghost movie about ghosts that live in your cell phones and murder you, and oh. then and then and then they jump to you from your friend's cell phones. It's it's a it's a ghost it's a ghost story movie. It's a very it's not like a crazy deep movie. No. It's definitely just trying to, to ride the tropes of the ghost movies like The Ring and Juon and Did those all come out before this? The Ring did. The Ring was nineteen ninety eight, I believe. Oh. All I can kept thinking of is forgetting Sarah Marshall where they talk about her shitty movie she makes where a cell phone is like um, killing everybody, and they're like, it's not that hard, just turn it off, movie over. Like, <laughs> like, and I kind of made me giggle, because I was like, the premise initially sounded ridiculous to me, but then, like, I definitely found some meat on these books. No, 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 I enjoyed it. I'm just saying that the con- conceptually, it yeah. is very, yeah. very, like, this is safe. Just do this. It's like 15 other movies that just came out in the last five years. Yeah. Just do it like this. And that's fine, but they... They do enough with the concept to make it a little more interesting. And they have some crazy deaths. Yeah, so, for sure. So I, I enjoyed it uh, regardless. Yeah, um, this one I enjoyed. I was happy to see 
even though, yes, it is part of the kind of played out ghost revenge genre, I'm still happy to see a supernatural ghost film because I feel like it's been a, like a while mm -hmm. since I've watched just like a good old fashioned ghost movie. That's because we avoid all the shitty American ones that come out every fucking... <laughs> yeah, there's like 8 million of these dumb movies so that come was, out over here. Especially was, since The Conjuring and stuff has come out. Totally. Everyone's like, oh, Possession of Blah Blah, and the Possession of Blah Blah in Mississippi, and the Possession of Blah Blah. This one's found footage. This one's found footage, too. This one's not found footage, but there's a couple scenes in the movie that look like found footage. <laughs> no, that's true. So, what, real real talk, though, my first note is how much I friggin' love and miss flip phones. That's mine, too. Huh? I was first, like, literally, I love flip phones. Yeah, my first note, yo, early 2000s, cell phone, flip phone. Oh, my God. I wish I could have my flip phone back. I'm just going to throw I that out there. I loved it. I loved Snake. I loved everything about it. I love texting um, T9. Yeah. I loved, I got, like, when I literally, and what was it? I guess it was like, I don't know, my second or third cell phone when I finally like migrated to the QWERTY keyboard. I was like, <laughs> I don't know how to function on this because I kept, I just had the desire to hit like, Buttons. hit three, too, right? three times to get a C oh kind of God, thing. Right? I, loved, I was so good at T9. I can't even imagine what it's like in Japanese. You see how many characters I had to scroll through to Dude. get to the one you want. Right? <laughs> it's like, I was oh, there's like, like 20 characters on eight, and there's like 15 on four. <laughs> um, so, so, yeah, so quick synopsis. So, uh, oof, how am I going to... Chain mail via so, Yeah, it's basically, <laughs> it's basically like um, someone died, and they there's a rumor that they got a message on their cell phone from themselves... In the past, telling, like... Uh, you're in like, danger, girl! Well, no, it's basically, like, you just hear a conversation from the future where you die. And then when you hit that time, because they're all time-stamped, you die. And that's basically the movie. And they're trying to figure out how, how we can stop this from happening, because the, the, the chain mail thing keeps going, and they can't figure it out. And they're trying... They try... This movie's good, because they try a bunch of different ways... To get around it. They don't just accept their fate yes, at any yes. point. They're like, all right, let's try this. No, shit, that didn't work. Yeah. Oh, let's yeah, try this. What? Damn it, no. The one girl, like, cancels her plan. They're like, oh, we'll erase the data on it. Put your phone in that recycle bin. Like, don't worry, you're done. Mm -hmm. And then... At the appointed moment, it just shows yeah, up. The, the phone like, ah, shit. shows itself up, so... <laughs> It's ghosts. You can't you can't cancel a ghost cell phone plan. <laughs> Those plans are forever. Oh man. So the first thing was the girl gets hit by the train is definitely texting with just an arm. So that's just an arm on the side of the yes. road. <laughs> and then just texting at the next person or that's wild. Yeah, I <laughs> it made me giggle. I was like, is that just her arm? I don't get it. Yeah, I had to rewind it because I was like, I think that's just her arm. Yup, that is. Also, why are these people texting when they're goddamn dead? Is that the ghost, like, doing that, or are they legit dead? Like this movie is not as good as Audition, <laughs> <laughs> as far as the as far as the internal logic goes, at least. Because yeah, I have no idea what what was going on there. I also have so, to do. Oh god, I'm so sorry. So that was that was Yumi. Maybe she was texting Kenji, her boyfriend. Oh, maybe, yeah. Maybe that's what it was, because I don't remember... Yeah, I don't I don't know how it selects the next person. It was very confusing, and there's, like, fake-outs and stuff, so... Um, but go ahead. Oh, no, I just said that, like, I really liked all the deaths, but Yoko's was the worst for me. Mm. Like, I... Again, one thing he could do is make me squirm, when all her body parts start, like, breaking. She rips her own head off! Jesus! I was like... <laughs> 
Uh, well, first of all, why would she go get an exorcism? Um, they're desperate, and yeah. they just saw two of their friends just yeah. die randomly, and they know the that it's some spooky it. ghost shit, mm-hmm. because, like, he stops before he gets in that elevator, and he's like, oh shit, I would have fallen to my death, and then an invisible arm grabs his leg and pulls him in, so she knows there's some spooky ghost shit happening already, so they're like, sure. we gotta try and outthink this thing, it's oh, just, God. they didn't think hard enough. No. <laughs> I think um, it's really gross that they, they made a TV show to exploit this poor woman, like... Yeah, that that I find that interesting in 2003 because I feel like we were still very much learning just how disgusting we were willing to be with reality television. They, they here's are the thing. so much worse with their television reality shit and game shows there than we are. They have a lot more of it. I will say that, but I don't know specifically like how much worse it actually gets because they clearly want to go further and there are they can't. Yeah. They I mean, can't. Shit, look at Slashers, bro. Yeah, yeah, they made me think of Slashers. Super fun. Because I have death as an entertainment. Again. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, slashers they, did better though, so you know. But there's <laughs> but there's probably like fifty of those shows where they have like a panel and they just watch like clips from the news and like like videos that go viral and stuff and they all talk about it and make little jokes and stuff. There's like 50 of those shows. So like ridiculousness times 10. <laughs> like yeah, so that kind of thing is very common in Japan as far as I know. Um I also thought it was funny that Japanese cops are also Keystone. Like with the exception of the detective, those motherfuckers were useless. Yeah, well. They're like this is obviously suicide even if 25 pieces of evidence point to murder. <laughs> like it's just funny. Well, well, let's go home. Let's Grab go a home. donut and let's go home. <laughs> the, the ending of this movie, like the last probably like 15, 20 minutes, this movie, it kind of lost me. Like I was entertained, but again, because it was just like, yeah, ghost revenge. We just need to like find the body and it somehow releases the soul. And we have to give the, the, the asthmatic ghost her inhaler and then she gets to go to heaven or the, I don't know. Do you not know what happened at the end? Yeah, I think you're a little That's confused. not what happened, Jackie. Yeah. That ghost possessed the girl. Yeah. And then oh, she, yeah. And then she was harming the other dude mm-hmm. like she was harming her younger sister. She's the one that she, she, spit the, she spit the jawbreaker into, into his mouth. mouth. And yeah. he, she's going to keep doing the hate yeah. that she did to his sister. Yeah. yeah. I didn't think that that... Like, I, I thought, thought that, that was, was a fine. fun misdirection. It was confusing. It was confusing. Because I'm like, whoa, whoa, wait, wait. I had to, like, rewind it and look again. But I was like, oh, I get it now. But yeah. I liked... I gotta be honest, and you know me, I'm a sucker for a good mom story. I liked when she hugged the ghost of the mother, Mm. and the mother, like, the, again, we see this theme of, like, an abused child, so, uh, what's her name, the main character? Uh, Yasami, right? Yumi. Uh, Yumi Yumi. is the one that survives until the end and becomes possessed. And becomes the the bad, yeah. Yes. So, when, like, Yumi had a very abusive childhood, her mother would, like, and the scene where the mother, like, slams her into the door, like, for me, I don't know why that scene shook me, so, maybe it's because I'm, I guess it's probably because I'm a mom, and, like, she was my daughter's age in that scene, and, like, Mm -hmm. the way she, like, took her and slammed her into the wall, I was like, ah! And then, when the mom that we think is the villain... Mm-hmm. It starts tearing, and then we learn that that mom like tried to save the younger daughter, and that the older daughter was a fucking shitty serial killer sociopath. Mm-hmm. Like, I really liked those twists and turns. Like, I felt like what I thought was going to be very straightforward. Oh, it's a Munchausen by proxy. The mom's the villain. Mm-hmm. Oh, she's a ghost. You know. But when when she, he walked in and she was cradling the ghost body of the mom, yeah, I was like, oh shit, this does not seem right. I kind of 
didn't see all those twists and turns coming. I don't know, maybe I'm just a child. No, 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 but, no. But, like, I feel like having the mom not be the fucking villain was refreshing. It was mm-hmm. like the mom was a victim, too. And the mom just needed to be assured that she had done right and that she was still loved. And I get that, because that's all moms need, is that we need to know that we're doing right, know that we're loved. Well, she had to pick one child over her other child. Oh, which is fucking brutal. Well, that yeah. part got me, too, man. Yeah. I kept thinking, what would I do if I had to save one at the expense of the other? And it was fucked up. And I liked when the scene when he gave her the inhaler, and then I was like, oh, I guess it's all taken care of. Then I was like, no, it's not. No, it's not. It's not. I kind of took the ride with this film, and yeah. I enjoyed it. And then when I read this, I was tempted to try to endure the American version, and then when I read the description, I was like, no, I can't do this. Yeah, myself. don't. don't. My, my absolute favorite thing about One Missed Call, I love the ringtone. I want to download. Yes. I want that to be my ringtone. Yes. I, I wrote that pants. too. I want that ringtone. You guys are crazy. I don't pee my pants. If That's the whole that. point. I like it because it's yeah. spooky. <laughs> you guys are crazy. It's a fun little job. Yeah. I want it. I it's it's a really like like kind of like minor key like kind of creepy spooky. That's the thing in Japan. Like they have creepy spooky kid stuff like no, that. No, me no likey. They 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 well because there's a lot of like Japanese folklore about like like demons and stuff that aren't necessarily sure. evil. They're just kind of pranksters. And there's like cartoons about them and stuff. Like long running TV shows, uh, like Gegege Kitaro. They have a DS game called Yokai Watch where you're just looking for little like demon things that are just like they're just mischievous. Yeah, see, no. Why would I want to hear that in the middle of the night? I would poop my pants. <laughs> and I would assume one of you is dead, and now you chainmailed me. So I'm going to do. No, don't you dare call me. <laughs> I'm going to chainmail kill you. <laughs> you know what we got to do? We have to uh, get Matt, when Marissa falls asleep tonight, to put that to be the ringtone. And then we should yes. keep calling her. Keep it up. Just keep calling her. We, have to, change, we have to change our contact info to just say, like, Unknown or my phone or Marissa's phone. Or Marissa in the future. Jackie, yeah, and we're Jackie, to you've got to go through back episodes of the show and like rearrange Marissa's <laughs> words so she's saying like so she's acting like she's I'm being killed. Die. <laughs> <laughs> you motherfuckers, <laughs> do it. Go ahead, go ahead. See what happens. Go ahead, go ahead. You see the effects of abusing your friends and family. <laughs> so yeah, um, this, this one, this one's not as much meat on it as audition. As, like per character so, because yeah, yeah. We can, well because this is more about the spectacle and like the mystery of like oh why is the ghost a ghost and is it angry at us or is it just angry because of something that happened to it and blah 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 because that's what all the ghost movies are like but that that makes it so you can't get too attached to any character because you know everyone's expendable yeah yeah I, I do think, so a couple of things that I did like was, first of all, I liked the play on the idea of chain mail from when we were kids. Because, mm. like, this notion that, like, your friend gives you this thing and then, like, it's, like, somehow dangerous to you and you have to keep it going. Like, I used to, I don't know, I always hated them, but I was always secretly afraid of them. So I thought this was an effective kind of play on that at a time when cell phones, we were still trying to understand what cell phones did. One thing I did love, one theme I thought they played with really well, the scene where they all start being like, delete my number. Delete me out of your phone. Like, oh, yeah. Like, like this notion that friendship <clears throat> becomes a liability. And knowing people and being able to connect to people, that becomes the greatest, like, danger to those people. That was fascinating to me. Because, like, I, I thought that scene was so great when they were all panicking, like, grabbing at her phone to delete themselves from mm-hmm. it. Because I would well be like, y'all better delete my ass out of your phone. If you're going to die in two days, I am not going to be the next one to get that call. <laughs> and so, like, I get it. And I thought it was an interesting play on this idea that somehow – Friendship and interconnectedness can become your greatest 
weakness or liability in this situation, which seemed very scary to me. Because when you think about how many people's phones are you in? Oh, jeez. I don't want to think about exactly. that. Exactly. <laughs> think about the internet itself. Yeah. Like, just how connected are you what the on the internet? the internet? Right? <laughs> <laughs> like, you Google yourself right now, and your shit from Facebook, LinkedIn, you know, Scary. our website, right. stuff you download. I'm listening to this podcast right now, and they're tracking someone, and they literally are able to track, by the minute, somebody's activity of where they are. Like, right. this whole, you like, know, oh, my it. privacy is set, and blah, blah, blah. Guess what? Every three Google seconds, knows where you are, you. what you're doing, what you're talking about, and what you're thinking at all times. Yeah. So it's like the interconnectedness. Every few seconds, yeah. Technology yeah. really is so interwoven in our lives that it's mm-hmm. just it's we're at a point where we have never been before yeah. and there ain't no going back like mm-hmm. there is no more off the grid unless you literally unplug and peace out to the middle of the woods because which is what we're doing on saturday so it'll be yes, like <laughs> swimmingly for us <laughs> um no you're right it's true it's it's like you're always connected and it's not necessarily a good thing i also did like that the media was exploiting this case because let's be real that's all the media is fucking good for is exploiting mm. shit. So mm. I thought that was a very apt, like, little statement he made. Again, I feel like he plays with themes in a way where he just sprinkles. Like, he doesn't bash you over the head with what he wants you to think about them. Yes. He just throws them out there. Yes. And that's yeah. Oh, man. Near. You should watch He's the Killer then. Ooh. Because that movie is that movie is, is about horrible people. But you end up at the end of the movie, like, not hating any of them. And you're like, why? These people are all awful. Why do I not... Why am I not like repulsed by these people? And I kind of just want them to like stop fighting each other and just just like go their own ways. Like you should want them to like murder each other and stop existing forever. <laughs> well, yeah, and I mean, if anything, that's one thing I give credit to Quentin Tarantino for is that like you know one thing Reservoir Dogs and Kill Bill and you know all the his films, even The Hateful Eight, do really well is they take truly deplorable people and they make you fall in love with them. And I always love uh, movies that can do that. Yeah, who are you in love with? I did Mr. Blonde. Mr. Blonde. <laughs> I have a poster of Mr. Blonde that says, "Are you going to bark all day, little dog? Oh, or are you going to bite?" bite. <laughs> I also have I love the Mr. Blonde action figure. Oh, oh he's and that. you know it's Michael Madsen. Is it Michael Madsen? Please, please. Even when he's playing the scummy, dirty brother. Michael Madsen is always a gross scumbag in like every movie that he's in. And don't you just want to have sex with him so much? No, not even a little bit. Yes, always and forever. Yes. Even in Kill Bill, I'd do dirty. Mm-hmm. Oh, I, there's never, yeah, always. Um, but yeah, as Mr. Blonde, I'd be like, oh, cut off my ear and fuck me. Like, let's just do it. Like, let's just make it Oh my God. You guys are, you guys yeah, are yeah. great. Okay, fine. Can you, okay, <laughs> like, don't cut off my ear. Let me keep both ears, but but still, put it inside. That's not what he's into, Jackie. And <laughs> nobody's like, into. Even in Pulp Fiction, like, those characters are all so deplorable, and I love them all. Mm. Like, uh, one thing I love about Travolta and Jackson's characters in that film is that they are literally horrible hitmen, but they have my heart through that whole film. You root like, for them. You did. At the yeah. end of the movie, you're like, oh, these guys. They had just a wacky day. They're walking away in their underwear yeah. and, and t-shirts. And I was sad when John Travolta's character gets killed. So, so like, can I please stop taking shit for liking the Firefly Club? No, that's totally different. There's nothing <laughs> likable about those people. Yeah, they're garbage. They are a wonderful, loving family. No. That is a bonded unit. And they, they I love his character, so I'm not going to shit talk you for this. Because I 
like aggressively defend this show. I can't wait for the the three from hell. I'm like, yeah, yeah. Days, man. As much as, for as much as I didn't like House of a Thousand Corpses, I love the Devil's Room. Yeah, I and love the Devil's Room. We talked about it on the episode. Yeah. So yes, I'm in for the hateful. I'm in the hateful eight. Uh, the three from hell. Three from hell. Yeah, I gotta watch that extended hateful eight. There's there's an, there's on Netflix. You can watch the hateful eight, and it's got like Ooh. a bunch of stuff they cut out, put back in the movie. That movie was hard to watch, although I enjoyed it's it. It's because it's, like, set in, like, the 1800s, and everyone is massively, horribly racist. Yep, and misogynistic. <laughs> so mm-hmm. let me, let me, let me bring it back. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, we're talking about some other movies. Yeah. Yeah. So let, me, let me bring it back to one Miss Cole and ask you guys this. Do you want to know when you die? No. Absolutely not. Would you want to know? No. Not even a little bit. Um, I'm, t- I'm on the fence. You do. I, a little bit. Part of me is morbidly curious. What would, like... If you find out you're going to die in 50 years, or if you find out you're going to die tomorrow, what would change? I wouldn't want to change anything. I would. Not me. I would want to change. Like, okay, if I knew, if some, if, okay, it'd be different, yeah. You're going to die 50 years from now. Cool. I'm going to keep living my life. Like, rock on. If someone says, hey, guess what? You're going to die in one, one year from today, you're going to die. I quit my job. Oh my you know, I cash in my savings bonds. I see the bands that I haven't got to see in concert. I, you know, I finally go to Chicago to see Sue the Tyrannosaurus Rex, which I've always wanted to see. I do all the things that I want to do if I know that there is that, that, that finite, like, yep, you know, this date at this time in the near future, you're going to die. Yeah, I, I cash it in and I do as much as I can. In that limited amount of time. Now, great. You know what? If I'm told yeah. 50 years, then I'm like, I, I change nothing and I live my life. But doesn't that say so much about, like, how, how we live our lives, like, on an existential level? Yeah. Yeah. Like, it absolutely does. You know what? I would do it just so I could exploit it. Because mm-hmm. if I knew I wasn't going to die for another 45 years, let's do all the craziest shit that I should mean, get you killed. Yes! And just go nuts. Like, I wouldn't even necessarily do, like, bucket list stuff. I would do stuff that I wouldn't ever, ever, ever do if I knew it could kill me. Yeah. And be like, let's, let's, let's jump out the Grand Canyon on a bicycle. <laughs> I'm not going to die. Yeah. Yeah, I'm going to evil Knievel it over this flaming school bus. <laughs> no, I think the only thing I change if I'm going to die in a week is I don't do the things that get in the way of the things that I do love. So it's yeah. like, I make the girls sit home with me for seven days straight. Yeah. That's, <laughs> that's what I mean. Like, like, I, I, part of me wants to know because, and I yeah. Mac, like, I, make, I make Mac give me massages and pet my head for seven days yeah. straight. You know what? <laughs> Get those fingers ready. <laughs> that's not the joke. I didn't mean <laughs> no. Yeah. No, hey. tell you. The diet goes out the window and I eat oh, a pound. Hell yeah. I eat a pound and a half of caramel creams at every <laughs> right. meal. I am literally eating <clears throat> peanut butter cups. All day long. Like, literally yeah. just yeah, feeding myself. Right. I was right. I spent all my money visiting all my friends, like, across the country. Like, I... Yeah. yeah. More <laughs> than you. What? You have yeah. Friends? Like, I would want to spend... Like, I would just want to spend time with my family, with my friends, a bat fly, thanks for nothing. <laughs> Die no, fly. No, but then again, I will say... There is that little part of me that's like, no, I don't want to know. Because I feel like then if I do know, like, I'll obsess over it. Like, yeah, if it's next week, then fucking let's live it up. But if I know that it's, like, on a random day in June, 50 years from now, I'm good up until June 1st of that year. 
And then, like, all of a sudden, like, that worry and the panic sets in kind of thing. So, I don't know. I'm on the fence. I do feel like I'm more to the side of, yeah, I want to know. Like, I want to know. I think this is why that country song tells you to live like you're dying. <laughs> What country song? I don't know. There's a country song. There's a bunch of songs. There's like, like 12 country songs live, about live living like you're dying. Living like Live Living like Living 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 all the time. Ricky Martin was right, y'all. He was. Ugh, Ricky Martin. <laughs> Ricardo. Right, on this very strange and interesting note, does anybody have anything else to say about one missed call? No. Was, yeah, Jackie's going to answer that call. It was apparently. good. It was good. <laughs> Yellow. Yellow, <laughs> yeah. Amazing, you. What's the time stamp? Okay, cool. That's all I need to know. Bye. Yeah. <laughs> No, I, I, it's fine. I, I, I definitely um, like The Grudge, and yeah, I think The Grudge is probably my favorite, like, J-Horror. <laughs> no need fiercely disagrees. <laughs> the Grudge. The Grudge real good. I'm, I, I'm not sure. Is that Korean or is that Japanese? I'm not too sure. I don't it's even know them. that I've ever seen it. Really? Yeah. Oh, The Grudge is great. I haven't seen... I've only seen the American version. The Grudge is great. There's a little... There's a little ghost boy that meows like a cat and turns into a cat. Yeah. What? And then she sees him... Oh, no, that's... that's, that's, Wait, is that Grudge? No, that's the girl. That is the Grudge. That's the Grudge. But that's the girl, and it's because she's... Why are we Amityville Horror with these flies? I know. You know why? Because the door... I left the door Motherfucker! She goes... I still deserve that Yeah, so there's a little kid who's a ghost who can turn into a cat, and he lives in the attic of this house. And this this lady who's trying to figure out, like, she's, like, trying to clean the house, take care of the old lady that lives there, sees this little kid up in the attic, and he's like, Meow! The cat noises, it's amazing. That sounds kind of ridiculous. It's a pretty ridiculous movie. Alright, so, uh, yeah. Thanks for hanging out with us tonight. <laughs> oh my god, smash all the flies. I did! I smashed a lot of them. Thank you for hanging out with us, uh, talking about Audition and talking about One Miss Call. We we highly encourage, if you haven't seen either, please go check them out because they are definitely worth a watch. I may not have loved Audition as much as these two, but again, my opinion on movies is sometimes, you know, shite. So don't believe what I say. No. Go out and form your own opinion. Watch Audition. Watch the Japanese version of One Miss Call. And uh, find us on the internet. Do that rate and review thing. And uh, eat shit and live. Eat shit and live, everybody. Eat shit and live. Uh, bye-bye. listening to the Geekscape Network.